Thank you, uh, Isaiah, and thank you for uh, inviting me to come and uh, share with you uh, all. And uh, I appreciate your time, and I uh, hope that you're all having a wonderful day and a good, uh, good week so far. We'll get the uh, presentation uh, up in a second, and I'll give a, a brief uh, introduction of myself and uh, the firm that I'm working with uh, in Israel. Just to say that out there is a table and there's some brochures, there's uh, business cards, feel free to take as many as you want. If you think that there'll be some other people that may be interested, take a few more and give them out. And there's also a newsletter sign-up sheet if you want to get some ongoing updates uh, about Israel, about the market, about investing in Israel, uh, and things that are going on there. Today, uh, I'm not going to be speaking about investments uh, in Israel per se, although that is what my uh, company does, my firm does. We'll see a short video in a second, but what we're going to uh, mainly, what I'm going to share with you mainly about um, this afternoon is about uh, Israel as God's uh, startup nation. And we'll see a little bit about what that means uh, in just a second. But first, we're going to, hopefully, if this clicker is uh, working, which maybe it's not. So maybe somebody at the back can uh, I'll give you an introduction first. So my name is uh, Stefan uh, Silver. I'm from uh, Israel. I was um, born uh, in New Zealand. That's why I sound like this. <laughs> Still a little bit. Uh, it hasn't worn off. But I moved to Israel when I was eight years old. Um, uh, basically, God called my family, my parents, spoke to them very clearly, leave everything, move back to Israel. And so they did. So I've grown up there most of my life. Um, that's where I've, I've done my education. Uh, I served in the, in the military there, uh, did my education there, have my kids there. And uh, I also, besides uh, working at Wise Money Israel, a uh, messianic uh, investment firm in Israel, uh, I'm also a, a pastor at uh, a local congregation called Kerem El, uh, God's Vineyard, a uh, very vibrant, young, uh, Hebrew-speaking congregation situated on Mount Carmel, which is uh, basically the modern city of Haifa, where I live, which is, if you recall, uh, the place where Elijah fought the Baal. So that, you know, just happened up the road for me, but no big deal about that. Let's uh, see a short video for a Israel's second. Israel's a nation which is rich in antiquity, bustling with life, and full of opportunity. Throughout their history, they have pushed the limits, beaten the odds, and have become known today as the Miracle Nation. Boasting an economy that is one of the most resilient and vibrant in the world, Israel's open and free market is a shining light of success and sustainability. Even during seasons of global financial instability and recession, Israel's economy remains surprisingly strong with positive growth. This booming and secure economic environment is made possible by cultivating a workforce of brilliant people dedicated to creating solutions and determined to succeed. Israelis are known for not taking no for an answer. This is part of the entrepreneurial spirit that drives innovation from high-tech energy and construction to communication, defense, and agriculture, and in turn leads to breakthrough and disruptive technologies that have left a monumental and lasting impression on every continent in the world. Israel's financial market has become one of the most fertile and attractive international investment destinations. And so while we build and we propel Israel forward, we can benefit from its success. Wise Money Israel is an Israeli investment firm dedicated to serving our clients and caring for their financial well-being. Whether individuals, corporations, or non-profit organizations from around the globe, 
We prudently manage our clients' portfolios and guide them into the Israeli capital market. Having successfully invested hundreds of millions of shekels, Wise Money Israel has earned its reputation as a trustworthy and secure home for investment capital. Partnering with the largest and most well-known brokerages in Israel, our firm offers stock and bond investing directly on the Tel Aviv Stock Exchange. We assist our clients to diversify their capital by investing in leading Israeli companies in the shekel, giving them an alternative to their local holdings. With a high level of integrity, professionalism, and personal client attention, Wise Money Israel clients have enjoyed solid returns on their investments year over year. Not only do we aspire for your investments to succeed, but we want you to succeed as you help Israel lead and shape the world toward a bright and promising future. So invest securely. Think Israel. Okay, so that was uh, just a little bit about my firm, and it, and it does connect with, uh, with what I'll speak to you about uh, today, about the startup nation. Um, just a, a little further points, basically what we do is we educate uh, people around the world, mainly believers, about Israel, about the Israeli markets, and about investing in Israel in general. We also offer, uh, or, or we help um, people, investors around the world, to open uh, investment accounts uh, in Israel. We give investment advice on what is going on in the market, and also offer full portfolio uh, management services. That's just a little bit about uh, my firm, and there's some uh, text uh, thingies up there, but... This is not working again. So, what I wanted to share with you about mainly today is about Israel as God's startup nation. Now, many of us know uh, about Israel as a startup nation, and perhaps some of you heard about uh, a book that was written by two Israelis in 2009 called Israel Startup Nation. It was a New York Times uh, bestseller. If you haven't read it, I recommend it. It's a good book. And it speaks about how a nation that back then in 2009 was barely, barely 60 years old had become such a large or, or had become a, a, a nation that had such great influence uh, on the world. Basically, they, they asked the question, how is it that Israel, an, a country of back then about six and a half million people, only 60 or something years old, surrounded by enemies, in a constant state of war since its founding, with no natural resources up until back then, produces more startup companies than large, peaceful, and stable nations like Japan, China, India, Korea, Canada, and the United States, and Singapore as well, maybe. <laughs> And, uh, and they know just about the, the high tech and, and how, you know, even on NASDAQ, uh, the, the second nation after the U.S. that has the most companies traded on the NASDAQ is, in fact, Israel. Little old Israel has, or little young Israel, has more companies traded on the NASDAQ than any other nation uh, in the world besides the U.S., which is local to. But I claim that Israel is not just a startup nation, it is God's startup nation. And so what we're going to do now for a few minutes is to go in and look and kind of juxtapose these two concepts and see uh, as a startup usually uh, happens and as the, as the life of the startup evolves and the, some of the events that they go through, we'll see that the same thing has happened through Israel throughout the scriptures. So if you have your Bibles, you'll be able to check up some of these uh, verses that I'll be showing you. I don't think I'm going to read them because of uh, lack of time, uh, but I will kind of go over them and you can check on your smartphones and uh, whatever to make sure that I'm not uh, uh, going out of context. 
The startup concept, some of us may think that it is something relatively modern, maybe from the end of the 20th century or from the 21st century now. But in fact, the concept of startups has been around for 4,000 years. It is not something that began just now. And how do I know that? Well, because Israel is God's startup nation. If we go back about 4,000 years from today, we get back to a very special individual who most of you know quite well, named... Abraham, exactly, named Abraham. And we read about him here in Genesis 12, verses 1, 1 to 3, many places uh, in Genesis that speaks about him. And God called him. God said to him, Lech lecha, go, get out of your nation, get out of your comfort zone, get out of the place that you know, leave your family behind, leave your friends behind, and go to a place that I will show you. Now, I don't think Abraham had Google Maps or Google Street View, so he couldn't check out where it was that he was going on the map. Right? I don't think they had that back then. Uh, so he had to go to a place that he knew nothing about, that he had never been in before, and he had no way of seeing or knowing where he was going. Now, startups are very similar in that sense, that they are going into uncharted territory. It begins with maybe one person or a couple of people or a small group of people that have a crazy idea of going into some field of operation or coming up with some idea or some concept, a product, a service, whatever it may be that hasn't been done before. Now, God did the same thing. He began with one man. And the interesting thing is that when he is promising these things to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and tells him, go, I will make you a great nation. Remember, at this time, he is childless. He does not have any heirs. And later on, he asks God, he said, so who's going to inherit me? Is it going to be Eliezer, my servant? Is he going to inherit me? Because I have no heirs of my own. So how can it be, God, that when you say to me, your, your offspring will be like the stars of heaven and like the sand on the seashore, that you're actually going to bring this to pass? I don't even have one child of my own. So it's all about faith and it's all about trust. And it's very similar with startups as well. It's about faith and trust and going into uncharted territory. Usually after that comes a time of large growth. Startups begin with a small group of people, one person or a few, but then very quickly it usually starts to grow and more people come in because it's needed. We need administration, we need uh, developers, we need uh, code writers, we need engineers, we need all these different people with different talents. We need finance people. And, and so usually it goes through uh, stages of quite large growth, relatively speaking. Well, God's startup nation was no different. It was exactly the same. If we skip forward a few hundred years, not very long, we reach uh, the Exodus. And in chapter 12, verses 37 to 38, we read that the children of Israel were, do you remember how many they were when they left uh, Egypt? It says 600,000 men. Now, these were most likely men that were of military age and probably those that were uh, counted old enough to be married. Okay. Now, if you know Jewish families, Jewish families are usually quite large families. We have lots of kids, usually. And, uh, and so add to each one of those 600,000 men, add to them a wife, add to them a few kids, and you're easily in the 2 to 3 million people range, if not more than that. And this is what scholars think was the size of the people that came uh, out, of, uh, out of Egypt. So within a few hundred years, which is not a small amount of time, but in the, in the rear view mirror of history, it is not a long period of time either. This small startup nation went from one man with no children to two to three million people that left Egypt. Huge growth, unprecedented in the history of mankind. 
After that, usually once they get to the startups, get to a point where they've grown and they're working very hard and there's lots of people involved, they release their product or they release their service. And this service or product is hopefully something that is not only incremental, it's not only a small change slightly making things better. Hopefully, and the most successful startups are usually startups or companies that bring forth something that is completely disruptive. It forever changes how things have been done up until that point, and it, and it changes uh, the course of history forward. Well, God's startup nation was no different. Soon after they left Egypt, a few chapters later in Exodus chapter 19, verses 16 to 19, we have a description about God descending on Mount Sinai, coming down onto Mount Sinai. And the language there in the text is very, very interesting because it gives a very detailed description of what happened when God descended onto the mountain. And it says that the whole mountain shook. It said that there was fire and that there was smoke. It says that there was a great trumpet that sounded and it got louder and louder and louder and louder. A real picture of something amazing happening. And this, what happened at Mount Sinai, some of us may just skip over it in the Bible and, and read it as if it's something, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a big event and, and whatnot. But this event was unprecedented in the history of mankind. Why? Because God had never before revealed himself to mankind in this way before. Never before had he given his, uh, uh, had he given the, the Torah, what we call the Torah is the law, including the Ten Commandments, which basically is an expression of his character. It is an expression of what is just and what is right and what is good in the eyes of God. And so it is an expression of his character, much like when we have, you know, we, we work in companies and they all have a vision statement and a mission statement and core values. These are usually an expression of the character character of the, the founders or the owners because they are, they are putting their personality and their uh, morals and their ethics into the company and they want it to look exactly the same. And that is exactly what God did at Mount Sinai. Never before had God come down and appeared in such a way and it forever changed from that point on how man relates to God. At the end of this, uh, at the end of verse 19, it says, Moses went up into the mountain. And at that point, he was there for 40 days and 40 nights. He received the Ten Commandments on two tablets of stone. And he came back down and there was all the rest of the law that was given as well. Among them, the instructions of the tabernacle to allow God to dwell in the midst of the people of Israel. So no longer was it the God up in heaven, but it was the God that was dwelling in the tabernacle of meeting with the people of Israel. There's a joke about uh, about the Ten Commandments or about the law in general that that goes uh, that you know God he was looking for for a people group to give the law to and so he went to all these different uh, people groups and and usually this is the point in the joke where you can find the people groups that maybe uh, you want to pick on a bit but he went to this people and he went to that people and they all said no. And, and eventually he got to Moses and to the children of Israel who were in, in the desert. And he said to the, you know, he's convincing Moses and he said to him, Moses, do you want, uh, do you want this, uh, my laws? Do you want my commandments? They're very good. You know, I give them on tablets of stone and it's, it's very, very good. He's convincing him. And so Moses thought for a second and he said, well, tell me, God, how much do they cost? And so uh, God said, what do you mean how much do they cost? They don't cost anything. They're absolutely free. And so Moses said, well, okay, that's very good. In that case, we'll take two of them. And that's how we receive the Ten Commandments. Super disruptive or, or disruptive spiritual innovation. After that comes the point of pioneering. The startups, once they've released their technologies, once they've released their service or their product, many times they get to the point where they have to face the giants. Okay? They are relatively small 
companies, and there are big companies out there with lots of resources, lots of manpower, lots of finances, and they can really crush them in a second. And God's startup was exactly the same. After they uh, received the Ten Commandments, they were supposed to go into the land of Israel and conquer it. If you remember the story of the 12 spies, they gave a bad report. At least 10 of them gave a bad report about the giants that were in the land, the Anakim. And if you remember what they said, they said, we are like grasshoppers in their sight. That We are so small and these guys are so big. Not only were they large physically and they were actually real giants, but as armies, they were much bigger than the children of Israel. And so they gave a bad report and they had to end up wandering again for 40 years in the wilderness. But eventually they did go in. And God said to Joshua in chapter 1, verses 3 to 6, He said, Do not be afraid. Be strong and of good courage because I am with you. Because Israel is God's startup nation. And He said, Wherever you go, you just need to stand there. Because wherever the soles of your feet touch, see, I have already given you the land before you. And that is exactly what happened up until a certain point where they stopped uh, conquering. But God walked before them and it began with the city of Jericho and it, began, and it continued with all the other major cities afterwards. God simply walked before them and prepared the way for them and removed the giants from their paths and they didn't even need to deal with them because that is what God had promised would happen. Even though they can be conquering and facing the giants and it can be successful, many times these startups have to go back to the drawing board. Many times they go through periods of hardship and they fail at what they do. And I forget exactly what the number is, but I think, uh, you know, I remember even with uh, Heinz Ketchup, you know, Heinz Ketchup, you know why it's Heinz 57? Because it took them 56 other previous attempts to actually get the recipe right. Okay, and it's usually like that with technology and with startups. They have an idea, but it takes many, many failures before you actually reach a success. And even then there are hardships. And God's startup nation was no different. After they had come into the land and they were uh, living in the land, there was deterioration. And they did not follow God's commandments. And so God had to do a reset. And in 587 BC, I believe it was, they were exiled from the land of Israel. And God sent them away to, to Babylon uh, for a period of 70 years, promising, though, that they would return at some stage, which they uh, indeed did. And we can read about that in Lamentations 1 verses 1. How is it the city of great splendor is now sitting in ashes. And if you remember also from Psalm 137 verses 1 to 4, there's the famous song that maybe you know, uh, by the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down, uh, you know, uh, how's it go after that, the song, there, uh, there we wept when we remembered Zion. And they asked them, you know, sing us a song from Zion. And they say, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And so sometimes they go through these hardships and it happened with, with God's startup nation as well. However, after that, there was another super disruptive spiritual innovation that God's startup nation brought about, or that God brought about, should I say, through his startup nation. And that was the revelation of Yeshua, Jesus. We read about it in Matthew uh, 1, verses 20 to 21. The angel appears to Miriam, uh, to Mary. Miriam is her Hebrew name. Uh, and he said to her, you will call his name, you, you are with child and you will give birth and you will give birth to a child. You will call him Yeshua because he will save his, his people from their sins. Can you say Yeshua? Yeshua. Yeshua. This is his real name. This is the, the, these are the syllables that came off the mouth 
uh, of the angel when he said, you will call his name Yeshua. Now, in English, when we read it, it says you will call his name Jesus because he will save his, children, his uh, people from their sins. And, and there is no uh, apparent connection between the name Jesus and what comes afterwards. Because, well, why? Well, the reason is because in Hebrew, the word Yeshua simply, or the name Yeshua simply means salvation. Okay, and it's a word that we use in everyday Hebrew, Yeshua. And so when he said that, he was basically saying, you will call his name salvation because he will save his, his people from their sins. And this once again forever changed how we as, as humanity relate to God. This was God coming in the form of man and not only coming in the form of man, but giving himself up through the death on the cross so that we may have life. And then, of course, resurrecting again and sitting at the right hand of the Father, always interceding on our behalf. Never before has this happened. Never before did it happen. And it has forever changed from that point on until today uh, how we relate to God. And God did it through his startup nation. However, after that, hardships hit once again. And there was a second exile. In, the 70, in 70 AD, the second temple was destroyed. In 135 AD, the Romans completely dispersed and expelled the Jewish people from the land of Israel for a period of 1,800 years, only to begin returning to the land again at the end of the 19th century, the late 1800s, up until the rebirth of the nation, which happened in, uh, in uh, 1948. The rebirth of the nation of Israel was nothing short of a miracle. It should never have happened, and even if it did happen by accident, it shouldn't have continued. Israel is an economic, a milita military, a social, and a political miracle. In Isaiah 66 verse 8, it says, Can a nation be born in a day? Who has even heard of such a thing? But as soon as Zion was uh, in labor, she gave birth to her children. And many scholars, including myself, not as a scholar, but as someone who believes the Bible, reads the Bible, I believe that this verse was speaking about the rebirth of the nation of Israel, which was a miracle by all means and measures. And by all statistics, all probabilities should not have lasted the first few days afterwards with all of the nations that attacked uh, Israel and even in the wars since then. But Despite that, because Israel is God's startup nation, when he has determined that something will happen, it indeed happens. And he predetermined that Israel would be back to being a nation again. Why? Because it has to do with... Sorry, oh, I'm missing a slide here. Don't know where that went. It has to do with the next super, super disruptive spiritual innovation that is about to come uh, into this world. Do you know what the super, super innovation is, uh, spiritual innovation is? It is the return of the King of Kings. It is return of Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah, to rule and reign on this earth. Why? Because when that happens, it is forever again going to change how we relate to God. We read the prophets. We read the New Testament. It says that when that happens, there will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more fear or, or, or tears or crying or sadness. We won't even need a son in those days because God himself dwelling in our midst will be a son for us, will be the light for us. And, and I don't know about you, but I am waiting for his return. And I want him to return because I want to live in that world, not in this world as it is today. Um, even though God has called us here and we are 
have been placed, each of us in our own uh, uh, workplaces and families, to influence and to change and to transform our surroundings. But we are all looking forward, I believe, to that day. But that day has to do fully with Israel, God's startup nation. In Matthew 23, he says at the end of the chapter, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stone her prophets and kill those who I send to you, how I wanted to gather you together under my wings like a, chick, like a chicken gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. He says, see your house, the temple is left to you desolate and you will not see me again, Jerusalem, until you say, Baruch haba b'shem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He was in Jerusalem speaking to his own people, saying to them, I am not going to come back to this place until you welcome me back in the name of the Lord. And I hope that you're not expecting that Jesus is coming back to Singapore because he's not. And he's not coming back to Auckland, the place of my birth either. And he's not coming back to New York or to LA or to London or to Paris. He's coming back to the city of the king, to Jerusalem, the capital of Zion, of Israel. And that is where he is going to establish his kingdom uh, on the earth. Just to give you a little, uh, a brief uh, rundown of Israel today. Israel has about eight and a half, maybe a little bit more, million people. Uh, 75% are Jewish. 20% are of Arab uh, 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 origin. Uh, probably that, that would be bifurcated. Some would be Christians. Some would be Muslims. Probably the majority would be Muslims. And 5% are maybe defined without any kind of uh, religion. And only 0.3% are born-again believers. That's about 15 to 20,000 believers. So it's a very, very small community of believers in Israel. But just like we read about with Abraham, God likes using impossible situations. And He likes using minorities. And He likes using the, 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 the meek and the humble. Because when He does that, He receives all the more glory. Amen? Cool. I want to talk with you next about some Israeli innovations. Oops, I think I just turned that off. Uh, some Israeli innovations that have changed the world. Israel is God's startup nation through which He has brought about, and He is bringing about, and He will continue to bring about spiritual innovation to the world. But it is also a nation through which He has brought about other innovations to the world as well to actually bless the nations. And He says that in Genesis 12, all the nations will be blessed. Through you. Now, ultimately, that is through the Messiah. But there are other ways that Israel is blessing the world as well through all kinds of innovations. Some uh, uh, Israel is having, or the Jewish people are having, a disproportionate influence on the world. Uh, we make up 0.2% of the world's population. Very, very small. That small gold slither there is uh, actually 3%. I had to make it 3% so that it could actually be visible in this great big pie chart. Otherwise, it just didn't show up. Okay. Despite that, the uh, amount of Jewish Nobel Prize winners is 20%. One of every five is of Jewish origin. That is a 100 times influence more than what we are as a, uh, as a percentage inside the population. And uh, just to, to look... Uh, you can see the percentages breakdown of the different categories, and you can see the blessing that Israel has been up until now in the world in all kinds of different areas. If you can't see, this is economics, 41% of winners are Jewish, uh, medicine, 28, physics, 26, chemistry, 19, 13% uh, literature, and 9% peace. 
uh, overall 20% as, as an average. That is a huge influence on the world for such a small, small, small minority. And it is because Israel is being a blessing to the nations in many different ways. It is a small country, but it is having a lot of impact. Israel has grown a lot over recent years, about 10 times uh, growth in the 69 years of existence. And, actually, I, didn't, I don't think I put the uh, innovations in this, uh, in this slide. But I'll talk to you a little bit about the entrepreneurship and the innovation that is coming out of Israel. Israel is uh, number one, ranked number one in the world for uh, uh, investment in R&D as a percentage of GDP. Now, these numbers sometimes change because it's quite fluid. But uh, Israel is, back then when this was published, is number one. And, uh, and is usually among the leading nations in the world to invest in uh, research and development. Israel is ranked number two in the world for venture capital funds, and the per capita VC investment in Israel is 2.5% greater than in the US, 30% greater than in Europe, 80% greater than in China, and 350 uh, sorry, not percent, 300 times greater uh, than in India as well. Such a small nation, such a small economy, relatively speaking, yet so uh, uh, pushing towards uh, entrepreneurship, so pushing towards uh, innovation. In Israel, we have the highest concentration of engineers and scientists per capita. We have 140 per 10,000. The U.S. has 85, I believe it is. And uh, Japan is the one that has uh, 83, and they are uh, third in the, in the list. Israel has the largest number of startups per capita as well. Ah, the technologies are here. Some Israeli technologies very quickly that have changed uh, the world. Cherry tomatoes. Did you have some of those uh, this, this afternoon for lunch, maybe? So these are an Israeli invention. Uh, Wix, which is a self-building uh, internet uh, platform, is uh, an Israeli invention. Remikub, do you guys play Remikub in Singapore? Maybe less so. Okay, well anyway, this is quite a famous uh, board game around the world. was given by Israelis. Uh, SodaStream, are you familiar with SodaStream? Did you know that this is Israeli? No? So there you go. SodaStream, it's basically a way to make carbonated uh, soda drinks at home, either soda water or they have all kinds of flavors that you can put in. And uh, this is an Israeli uh, innovation. Some more. Intel, the Skylake uh, chip, which is in many, many computers, was all developed in uh, Israel, just down the road from my house at, Israel, at Intel's large research and development uh, center. The Amazon Kindle. Do any of you have an Amazon Kindle and read books? This way. Well, this was developed by Oracle uh, in the Oracle company in uh, Israel, down in Herzliya, in their research and development center. Maybe some of you have heard of the Iron Dome multi-layered missile defense uh, system that Israel developed to protect itself from incoming projectiles, as now is selling it to all kinds of other nations around the world uh, in order to, to defend themselves as well. Uh, some other innovations, uh, Solid Run developed the world's smallest computer, two square inches. So if you need to save some space in your apartment, you're welcome to pick one of these up. They're not very expensive. A company called StoreDot is uh, innovating in the field of um, battery recharging. So they can recharge a vehicle in, in very few minutes, like five minutes, and their technology is going to be implemented more and more in all of our uh, iPhones and uh, smart devices uh, in the future. They, Israel has also developed a lot of, uh, um, or a couple of um, aircraft protection systems. Uh, Sky Shield and Flight Guard are two of them. Do you have one of these? 
or maybe a few of these. Maybe you've lost some over the years and you misplaced them. The uh, uh, USB was developed by an Israeli company called M Systems. Um, it was later uh, bought by another company called SanDisk, which you're probably uh, quite familiar with. An Israeli company also in 2006 it was purchased. And this innovated and forever changed the way that we store data and transfer data. It was 11,380 times more uh, space than on a floppy drive. Given imaging, uh, have you ever heard of the PillCam? The PillCam is a camera that patients swallow, uh, patients that need to undergo a, I need to remember the wording of this, a gastrointestinal endoscopy. Okay, it's a mouthful. And, uh, and it's usually like a big long tube that has to be stuck down the patient's throat, very unpleasant. And, uh, and so Israeli company Given Imaging developed this. It has a few LED, cam LED lights inside, a camera, a transmitter, and all the patient needs to do is swallow it with a glass of water, just like you would a neurofine pill, and it transmits to the computer uh, next to the patient where the doctor's sitting. They record it. It goes through the system. They see everything inside, and there's no intrusive uh, equipment that needs to be placed inside the patient, and then it's just passed later on. Uh, I'll skip over these because of time. Robotics is, uh, there's a company called Rewalk, which is basically a, a wearable robotic exoskeleton that allows spinal cord injury uh, victims to actually stand up and walk again. Uh, this is the first company in the world that is doing it. Uh, this company is traded on the NASDAQ, I believe, and, uh, and it's just revolutionizing the, the lives of people that are, that are um, basically been sentenced to a wheelchair for the rest of their lives. There's a short video, but we're not going to see it because we don't have time. Social navigation, Waze, maybe some of you have heard about Waze, yeah, and you use it here in Singapore. This is an Israeli company, helps you to uh, avoid traffic, helps you to report hazards and accidents, helps you to know where the police and the cameras are, which I think is important in Singapore, right, because you have high fines <laughs> for speeding. Uh, share ETAs and schedule drives. And Waze was purchased by Google in 2013 for 1.6 billion US dollars and actually now is the underlying technology for both Google Maps and for Waze. So whichever one you're using, it doesn't matter. You're using Israeli technology. So the next time you use Google Maps, remember to thank Israel for that, to remember to thank God's startup nation for that. I'm sure you all use either Viber, WhatsApp, Skype, WeChat, one of these uh, technologies. VoIP was developed by an Israeli uh, company as well. They developed the first voice over internet protocol device that was then taken and commercialized into the services that we use today. But the base technology and the innovation side of it came from Israel. Magic Jack, if you use that, also based on that. Uh, I'll skip over this. Desalination technology is also something that Israel is, is doing uh, very much uh, in all kinds of places. Agritech, um, these are just some more companies and more areas that Israel is uh, innovating in. I won't go into them because of time. So what? What does this mean for us at the end of the day? I believe that every believer in the Jewish Messiah, in Jesus, in Yeshua, is called to invest into His startup nation. Just like, uh, you know, Apple and Facebook and these large world dominating companies have to have investors from around the world to grow to the size. Well, God's startup nation also needs his investors, his people around the world to invest into this nation because it is his startup. How can you do that? First of all, there's a spiritual way to do that. Uh, God said the gospel is to the Jew first. He speaks about that in Romans uh, 1.16. 
and also provoking the Jewish people to jealousy in Romans 11, 11. And I believe that you can also be praying and you can invest in your thought and your time and your heart into caring about and praying for the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. There are also practical ways to do that by, by uh, blessing Israel in, in various ways. That can be um, uh, through supplying aid to Israel, that can be through investing into Israel's economy, that can be through connecting with the local bodies of believers, the body of believers in Israel. But regardless of what it is that you choose to do, uh, I really believe that God has called each and every one of you His investors that have many resources placed into their hands to utilize those resources to invest into His startup nation so that this nation can eventually be used to bring about this next spiritual innovation that we are all hoping for and waiting for, which is the return of Jesus back into this world. So thank you. And uh, maybe I can just end with a word of prayer. Is that okay, uh, Isaiah? Yeah. And, uh, and then I'll let you all get back to your day. Lord God, I thank you for, uh, for today. I thank you that uh, we can be here together and worship you and praise you and hear about uh, Israel. And Lord God, I just pray that you would uh, take this word and, and use it in each and every person's heart. Lord God, to, uh, to show them how you want them as, as, uh, your, as those who believe in you, as those who follow you, as those who love you, to utilize uh, the resources and the talents that you have placed in their hands, each and every one of them, wherever they belong, wherever they come from, whatever they have been given, uh, Lord God, in order to invest into your startup nation, Lord God, so that we can see uh, the Messiah, Jesus, coming back and ruling in our midst uh, very soon. I pray, Lord God, that you would bless each and every person here today. Bless the rest of their day at work. Bless the rest of their uh, week as well. And, Lord God, just open up the doors before them. Lord God, I pray a blessing upon each and every one of them, that they would be able to be a shining light, salt and light in the places that you have uh, positioned them. Thank you for this day in Yeshua's name. Amen. Let's keep, uh, Thank you.